Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast, where we explore the sport and business of fishing and the great outdoors in Canada. Presented by Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. Here are your hosts, brother and sister duo, Brad Pallister and Jessica Pallister Dew. Awesome. What do you think, Wes? That was awesome. You like the intro? Yeah. I like so the reel at the start. That's my favorite. I can't do a real noise. Welcome to the second episode of the Made for Memories podcast. Today, we are welcoming our very first guest. If you do not know who Wes David is, you've been living under a rock. Wes David is the host of the Fishing the Wild West TV show, a television series focused on exploring Western fisheries and teaching viewers tips and techniques helpful to anglers regardless of their experience levels. Besides his hosting duties, Wes is a writer, conservation advocate, tournament angler, former bull rider, and a heck of a genuinely nice guy. Please join us in welcoming the one and only Wes David. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm excited to be the first. That's a, a historic moment. Possibly. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, on our first episode, Brad and I joked, well, Brad says that this is going to be the biggest podcast that ever existed on the internet. I think he's trying to manifest it. Hopefully. Yeah, well, it will be. Well, when we have guests like the world famous Wes David on, how could it not? <laughs> I don't know about world famous. I ain't just a guy who took fishing too far. <laughs> so so tell I guess let's just dive right into that and tell us a little bit about that. So this is your sixth season. Seven. We're going, we're going, we're going into, seven. into seven. Yeah. You're going into your seventh season of the Fishing the Wild West TV show. That's wild. Yeah, it's uh it it happens, it happened fast and it's been going fast. And I, I'm very grateful. It's it's been an amazing experience. There's it's a heavy workload, um, but it's been an amazing experience, and I'm I'm so grateful. So uh what made you decide to break into the TV world? Because you were um, doing a lot of writing and you were also working full-time as a heavy duty mechanic. Yeah. Your former career, like what, what made you what decide to take the leap? Aside from uh, your rugged good looks. <laughs> um, well, uh, it, I, I was doing lots of writing. I was tournament fishing. Um, Kind of to the start of it, when my rodeo career ended, uh, I, I became a heavy-duty mechanic. I apprenticed, uh, became a heavy-duty mechanic. I was a mechanic for 20 years, 22 years. But throughout that whole time, and when I was rodeo, I always fished. I loved fishing. Whenever I had a chance, I'd go fishing. At one time, I had like 36 different fishing licenses for states and provinces. And But when I was done, there was a... The, the, I couldn't explain at the time there was an emptiness like I missed either the thrill of competition or that's what I thought I missed so I started going to tournaments uh, walleye tournaments and I found not only the little bit of thrill of competition there but the camaraderie um, everybody was so friendly you know you might be you know, might not be having the best tournament and they might not give you their hot spots, but they were always, people were always there to help out. Like Western Canadian people are very friendly. 
Um, they're always there to help out, point you in the right direction. And what I thought I was missing in the thrill of competition, it was actually the camaraderie of sport that I was missing. Um, at the same time, I was writing for magazines and that the tournaments and magazines kind of grew together. And then uh, I was approached to do uh, Fish in the Wild West TV. I came up with the name and everything. The second year, I broke off on my own, started my own production company. And um, Fish in the Wild West TV is, we do a lot of other different things, but Fish in the Wild West TV is my, is my baby. What other things do you do? Because you have a company called Bullet and Bait. Bullet and Bait Limited, yep. Um, we do anything from commercials, um, social media commercials, website design. We have cameras on different projects. I can't mention, but there's projects being shot this summer west of Calgary. Obviously, Western-style projects. We have cameras out there. Um, so we, we'll do almost anything. The farmer and me kicked in after the first year when my cameras, all my camera gear was sitting there in the winter months and not working. So I had to find a way to keep them working. And I had to find a way to keep Chuck working. Um, Chuck is the magic behind the, you know, he's the cameraman, uh, chief editor. He's the magic, but he can't work part-time. So I had to find a way to keep all that gear working to keep him busy so I could keep him. And it's, it's just been an amazing working relationship. And uh, I always say, I get to just say words and fish. Chuck is the magic behind it. Um, and not only his skill set. But we are in we're in close proximity for six months of the year, uh, whether we're in a boat, in a truck, in a hotel room. So we have that, that working relationship, like a like a brother relationship. Um, and it just works really, really well. Awesome. Uh, how many more seasons do you think you want to push out of the fishing, the Wild West TV show? I don't know. Um, uh, as long as I'm having fun. Um, as long as I feel I'm doing a good job um, and, and keeping it fresh. That's our challenge is to keep it fresh. Um, it's a real grind on the road. Like uh, the U.S. shows, they get, you know, eight, nine months to do all their episodes where unless we do an ice fishing episode, we have five, five and a half months to get all our episodes done. So we're on the road a lot uh, a lot of times takes me back to my rodeo days. We're on the road steady, like the, the office is my truck uh, or the boat. And, and it's, it's just, it can be a real grind. And then in the winter months, everybody thinks, oh, you get the winter off. We're probably twice as busy. It's just a different busy. Um, I don't know if a lot of people realize how office heavy an outdoor show is. You know, there's all the government stuff. There's lining things up for next year um sponsor obligations network commitments and it's it's a real challenge it's but it's fun I, I really enjoy it I think one of the questions that some people wonder as host of a fishing show is how many days do you actually spend on the water in a year let's say let's say for work and then let's say for like maybe not work like how, how, how much time do you actually spend fishing um I quit counting because I didn't want my wife to know the exact amount of time I'm on the water. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to answer because we've done our quickest we've ever done an episode 
was six hours, seven hours. And that was the fishing, the B-roll and everything else that goes into it. But we've been seven days to get one episode. Um, so it all depends on, I, I always say like the, neither Chuck or I know what the episode's going to look like. The fish tell us what it's going to look like. Um, you know, we could go out, you know, and wanting to shoot a Len Thompson episode, but that might not be the time of year or what the fish want at that time of the year. So they always kind of dictate it's, it's actually a reality show. So, um, that one's a hard one to answer, but then aside from the show, we're out there doing some conservation stuff. There's different conservation projects we're involved with, such as the Fraser River Sturgeon Conservation Society with Rick Hansen um, or magazine assignments. Uh, fun fishing. I don't do as much fun fishing as I used to, but when I do get a chance to go fishing, I really focus on taking family and friends. That's That entertains me now. Like, I... I I catch a lot of fish, so it really pleases me when I see someone else catch them, especially first-time anglers. Wes David, fishing guide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wes David out there just having to, just putting the boat in the right position and relaxing. <laughs> I uh, watched a couple, rewatched a couple episodes this week, um, and I really loved the trout pond episode where you had um, a few kids, one of which had never caught a fish before out, um, showing them some tips and tricks because it really is such a incredible thing. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because we tried to do that episode for two years, um, but at public trout ponds, you know, we don't want to get in people's way. Uh, then we'd have, you know, kids wanting to be involved. Then there's the legalities of having kids on TV. So we found a private pond where we could do it. And I I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous about it. I was, you know, I'm supposed to be this big fishing guy and we're at a stock trout pond. So we put the twist on it as, you know, helping parents or guardians to take their kids, how to do it, where, you know, just to help them maybe catch that first fish. And it has been one of our most uh, referred to episodes we receive even when the reruns go or on YouTube people are watching on YouTube now uh, we still get a lot of emails text messages through social media about it and they're asked what is really impressive is the intelligent questions they're asking it's it's it was that's one of my favorite episodes too even though I was nervous about shooting it well it's it's one of the things that we get asked the most when people come and stop in the factory because the Len Thompson ponds just down the road and you know what do I use what do I use and unfortunately at certain times of year it, it can really be a grind to um, catch yeah. these fish so I thought it was super informative um, especially since we you know we pretty much exclusively use Len Thompson's when we do go fishing not that we don't recognize that other things don't work because they do but I thought the uh, the bobber fishing and how you actually taught how to set that up was was really helpful. So I might have to give that a go. Power bait, power bait, power bait. Yeah, my two go tos for uh, rainbow trout and the stock trout ponds. For anyone that that's listening, regardless of the pond, is the bobber and a, a little jig or J hook with power bait, or a number six Len Thompson, and um, the the len thompson using the len thompson number six is very effective 
but it also has the added bonus of keeping the kids entertained and even teaching them how to cast. You know, they get, give them a little room and they get, get to cast their, their number six, Len Thompson, and they get really good at it really quick because they're anxious, especially if the brother, sister, or, you know, they're trying to outcompete each other. Speaking of, you fish with Brad and I both. Who's a better angler? Oh, gosh. I mean, of course you were going to ask that question. <laughs> like, well, Jess, I saw you catch some big fish. And if I remember right, I had to wear an apron and serve you supper. Hmm. I do recall that. <laughs> but I must admit, Brad did very well. And he was entertaining his dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I do very well watching other people catch big fish. <laughs> it was a real pleasure to, to do. Well, Brad and I, we, we just fish and that was fun. It, I think, Brad, we both at the time needed just to get out and no cameras and just relax and fish. Yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a grindy summer for both of us last summer, I think. So it was nice to have one day of. of yeah. Uh, letting your guard down and just fishing and and like when you asked about personal fishing or fun fishing that's those days really stand out more than they used to uh you know fishing with family and friends and just whether you catch a fish or not just having fun but just when i fished with you um at black barrier island lodge i was you know and you seen the stresses and the troubles and the you know behind the scenes and what we go through and, and I was grateful I mean we pulled off an amazing episode you were great on camera oh, thank you. I was grateful that you know someone else gets to see behind the scenes and help tell the story that it's it's not as easy as it looks well and, and I you know I felt bad after the first day because I was just flying high because I was just there to have fun and fish and Wes had an incident yeah look and he had to he had to go back to the lodge to get doctored up and he lost I was just seeing how sharp them len thompson's were where where did that uh, len thompson catch you uh right in the lip where it's supposed to right <laughs> right in the money maker so uh yeah he, but you lost half a day and you and then we had a really good day <laughs> yeah you guys knocked it out and of the park. I was like I said, I was riding high and then and you came back and you were a little cranky. And I haven't I haven't really seen Wes cranky up until that point. But <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of pressure because you only have a few days in this space to pull off a good episode and you can't control the fish. And especially at a lodge, because you can't just come back next weekend. And all the fun, Brad, all the fun and excitement that Jess was having wouldn't have been able to be seen on camera had we not pulled our side of it off yeah so there's there's double the pressure i i i feel that pressure on a non-competitive basis almost every time i go fishing for goodness sakes like like oh you own len thompson lures you're gonna you're gonna knock it out of the park and especially if i'm with people that you know my friends know better now they they right. they know they know i'm not a very uh skilled angler but it's a little bit of pressure if you go out with a, a new guide or a, a new person and they expect you to be this fishing savant and <laughs> not the case, not yeah. the case. No. And, and like, like you mentioned, Jess, it's, uh, 
you know, there's a business side to it. And it's, you know, I have a lot of people have asked me, well, how, how often like Brad and Jess, they must be out fishing all the time. <laughs> no, they're no. working all the time so that we can fish. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a, again, it's the things that people don't realize or don't, don't see. So, so I want to ask you a question about the business side. It's a good transition. So um, the, you obviously had a full-time job as a heavy duty mechanic and, you know, for people who know trades, that's a, that's a, that's a nice paying trade. And what was the kind of uh, the real clutch decision that said, you know what, I'm going to take a risk and kind of put this trade behind me and see if I can't be an entrepreneur because that's what you are. I mean, you're a fishing personality, but you have a small business. You, 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 you are an entrepreneur. How did you, how did you get the courage or what was the, the process of you to actually make that step into the business world from or entrepreneurial world from a, from a nice career? Yeah. Um, I get asked that a lot. And truthfully, uh, it was my wife's final push to get me to do it. So I was working up North. I was working in the oil sands, um, great paying job, journeyman mechanic. And I would, I did that for two years. I did both. I worked a week and I'd come home and I'd go film fish and law West TV for a week. And my wife, the first year, first two years barely saw me. Um, and it worked. I mean, as you know, the first two years of any business is, is growth and you got to, you know, really dedicate yourself. Um, but then Fish in the Wild West TV got to the point where if I was going to take it to the next level, it needed my full-time attention. So to give it my full-time attention, I needed to go at it, you know, full bore. My wife said to me, you know, we sat down, of course, we had several family discussions about it. And she said, when you were an apprentice, everybody told you get your ticket get your ticket and you'll always have something to fall back on she goes now exercise that you can always go back to mechanicing but at the end of your life you're going to sit in your rocking chair and wonder what if and she goes i don't want to be around that when you're cranky so i went back up on my next shift went in for a week on the first day i was there i went into my boss's office and i said um I won't be here tomorrow or any other day after that, or at the end of this set or any other day after that. He goes, well, what are you doing? I'm going fishing. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. And I was treated great up there. And they, they were all very encouraging. They knew what was going on and what I was doing. And I wrote right on my exit interview, signed my name and wrote going fishing. <laughs> I love so, that. And it was, but it was the, my wife giving me that final push is, you know, you have to, you have to go after it. You have to try. Uh, Wayne Gretzky once quoted, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Oh. We need to come up with a better, with a better fishing reference. You, you miss, you miss 100% of the fish that you don't use a Len Thompson lure <laughs> yeah. or something like that. You miss a hundred percent of the fish if you don't go fishing. <laughs> oh well, okay yeah, well, i guess he could use that one <laughs> but yeah that was my final push and uh she reminds me of it every day <laughs> uh, 
obviously if you're going into your seventh season, you have a few under your belt. What, if anything, would you have done differently over the last half a dozen years? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you watch season one and you watch season six, I've definitely matured. I've gotten better on camera. Uh, we've got to learn, you know, what the viewers are want. Our goal is not to catch the biggest fish all the time. And I know everybody loves catching the biggest fish. I do too. But we stuck right from season one. Our goal was to help people catch one more fish. And I always say, you know, what I'm doing or the what I'm the technique I'm using or whatever might not be the end all but it's what works for me and I'm just showing people one more technique that that may work for them our goal is just to help them catch one more fish um what I do different I don't know because I think I've learned more from our mistakes than I have from our successes and you just have to pay attention don't make a mistake twice but learn from it and um, that's, you know, I'm very proud of it that, uh, you know, we've done it ourselves. Your life is about to get busier over the next couple of months. So show season is back on. Yeah, it starts uh, Monday. I leave at 4 a.m. We're going to Saskatchewan. We're doing some uh, work with the University of Saskatchewan out there uh, on some, some conservation work. We're going to film a segment, uh, with them and without them while we're there and then a race right home. And it's the Edmonton boat and sportsman show. I think I'll have three days before that goes and then I'll head up to Edmonton. Um, and I'm so glad I didn't realize how important sports shows were to me, not to be up doing seminars or that as well, but just visiting with people. Um, you know, we get a lot of ideas from just talking with people. I call it boat launch talk, you know, and they've, they got some great ideas about maybe it's a water body to go to, or, you know, something, maybe it's even something that we could make a little clearer or a technique that we haven't used or go more in depth on. So I, I really look forward to the sports shows. And I mean, if you, you want to talk hunting and fishing, everything outdoors, sports shows, the place to do it. I think, I think one thing that people might be curious about, because I bet you that there is thousands of people out there that want to be a professional TV angler. I bet you. I bet you. Yeah, I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to, uh, to say the ugly behind it, because everybody always, uh, everybody always wants to to thinks about the glamour and you've already talked a little bit about the pressure behind it, but talk, talk to me about, you know, without, you know, going too deep into the weeds, but like, you know, working with networks and, and, you know, uh, working with sponsors and things like that. Like what, what, what are some of the, the goods and the, and the challenges with those big kind of seated things? One with the networks or networks and government are kind of one. There's a lot of government stuff behind the scenes. And uh, I always say, I, I know what I'm dumb at. And I know that's not my strengths dealing with the government. I get a little cranky <laughs> dealing with the government. <laughs> so my wife has taken on that role, doing all the stuff behind the scenes, the, the government stuff, uh, networks, the, the stuff that I... I don't need to be bothered with. She handles 
Chuck and I work together on delivering to the networks. I work on all the contracts each year for the for the networks. And there's a there's another pressure. Um, I'm already signed and paid. You don't networks don't pay me. I have to pay to be on TV. And those are paid in a year in advance. So I've already paid for my TV time and I haven't even produced a show yet. Now, some networks, if you don't produce enough shows or what you've, you've agreed to, not only do you have to pay for it, but you're penalized on it. So there's that added pressure. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny just getting the right people involved. The next thing, dealing with sponsors, um, you know, people say, oh, I'm sponsored by Len Thompson, I'm sponsored by this one. I never refer to that I'm sponsored by, I work for Len Thompson or anyone that I work, I work for them. I'm just a different spoke in the wheel. So when you hire an employee at the, you know, at the shop, at the factory there, you hire an employee and that employee might be under, you know, under review for 30 days or 60 days, whatever it is, I'm under review 365 days of the year. And I take it very personally and very seriously because when I come back next year to see if, you know, the people I work with want to be a part of me, I want it to be a no brainer for them. So it's, um, it's not a sponsorship. You're actually employed by the companies that you work with. And that's how we look at it. And it's very important. Anyone out there listening that wants to get into working with uh, in the fishing industry at whatever level, you're not sponsored. You're an employee. Great advice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like you do this for a living. Yeah. <laughs> we take it very seriously. And it's worth, I mean, Len Thompson is one of their proudest. So you've been with us since day one. And uh when, when Jess asked how long I wanted to go fishing for, I, I want you to be there on the last day. So we, we work every day at it. And there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, that you don't know about or things that you're doing that I don't know about, but it's, you're working at it every day. Well, that's a good segue into. <laughs> yeah, we can segue into rapid fire. Oh boy. On our first episode, I did rapid fire and Brad was the guest. So he's already participated in rapid fire and all rapid fire is, is you get 30 seconds on the clock to answer the question. Yeah. 30 seconds Wes. So you gotta, you gotta watch your, you'll watch your syllables. (laughs) And I don't get to hear the questions till they happen. No, you don't get questions until they happen. I uh, did post on our social media to see if anyone had any questions for you. So there are a few of those questions on this rapid fire uh, list. So I'm not sure if you looked at those posts or not, Um, but we're just going to get started. Okay, game on. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. This one should be easy. I think I even know the answer to this one. What's your favorite species to fish? Walleye. Always my bread and butter. Why? Um, it's just, it helped me, it helped me get to this point. Um, if I look back on one species that helped me get to this point, it, it has to be walleye. Question two. Question two. This came from one of our um, Facebook fans. What's your favorite lake to hunt monster, Jack? 
in Alberta? <laughs> that uh, it depends on time of the year. So I would highly recommend any of the Southern Alberta reservoirs at from ice fishing to early spring. They do really well. And then again in September going into October. Now, a lot of people put their boat away in October, but there's big, big Northern Pike that start bulking up for the winter. Um, Lac La Biche is kind of, uh, I call it my slump lake for walleye or pike. If I'm in a slump, I'll go to Lac La Biche. Um, any of the Northern lakes actually are really good, but it, it really depends on time of year. A lot of people don't realize how deep northern pike go in the summer months. That's why you don't see a lot of big pike caught throughout the summer. Because big pike, you know, everybody thinks shallow in weeds, but big pike go really deep. 30, 37 feet I've caught big pike in the summer months. In the heat of summer, July, August. So, so Wes, we have to deduct a point for you on that one. You went over 30 seconds. Oh, well, it was just a great topic. <laughs> It is a good topic and I'm sure that <laughs> our audience would appreciate you. And that's why I turned it off and let you keep going. But Brad, thank you for keeping this kosher. We appreciate I'm it. I'm a ruley. Like <laughs> rapid fire, like rapid fire. Question three. What's the most random place you've been recognized? Gas stations, uh, grocery stores, um, Matter of fact, I just took a picture with with a, a mom and son in front of the Freddy's <laughs> in the grocery store. Um, I remember one time in Nipawin, we were 45 minutes at the gas station. We had to pull over and talk to people. And uh, like, again, I call it boat launch talk and I'm so honored. I'll talk to anybody. Point for Wes, good job. Well done. <laughs> Okay, this is a good one. Number four, who's the real boss? Chuck, your partner behind the camera, or Susie, your wife? Susie has both Chuck and I scared and we answer to her. <laughs> when we're on the road and filming, Chuck, uh, Chuck is the boss. I mean, I can catch fish and I talk, but I don't know what he sees. I don't know if the light's shining into his camera, so he'll turn me, reposition me. I've caught some great big fish that will never make camera because there was a glare came across. And at the end of each day, we go through the footage and then Chuck says the final say, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this, because he knows how it's going to flow. So you're not the boss. I just say words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite part of your business? Fishing. <laughs> no, I... I uh, I'd have to have go back one, obviously fishing. Um, I, I love fishing new lakes or doing, you know, different techniques, but I absolutely love back to your other question, meeting people and talking with people. It's, it's one of my greatest pleasures. And I don't care if you're eight or 80, I'll talk to everybody. If you're going to take the time to come talk to me, I'll take the time to talk to you. That is, that is very true. I've always I've always been impressed by that, Wes. Oh, thank you. Um, one of our greatest compliments is, you know, people say, oh, we love the show or love this or that. But and it happens at sports shows a lot. And I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I'm proud of this. Um, talking with people and then they'll usually run around and talk to Chuck. Wow, is he ever friendly or lack of arrogance or whatever? And that's our greatest compliment. 
So way to go, Wesley. Good, Good job, Wes. <laughs> okay, well, this actually ties in quite well to the last one. Uh, what is the wildest and most outrageous fishing story you have ever been told by someone else? Oh, uh, a lot of people come and uh, tell me about their biggest catch. And they tell me it was, you know, regardless of species, it was this big and weighed that much, which it would, would have normally blown the world record out of the books. But just let them tell their story. They're happy to tell you, let them tell it. I mean, we're all fishermen. We can stretch the truth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you most excited about heading into the 2022 open water season? No mass getting back to face-to-face -face business contact visiting one of the biggest challenges last year you know we went into some areas and kids want to get their picture with me well how do you you can't say no you know how do you say no COVID's like it was just a real challenge um so just getting back to face-to-face -face business shaking hands and and visiting nailed it maybe you're okay. making up for that one yeah yeah i got brad staring me down <laughs> all right this one might this one might exceed 30 seconds because it's a pretty big question what is your best advice for finding fish in tough conditions uh, be open to try something new. I have a little rule of thumb. If say I've been fishing a lure for a half hour, 10 minute, whatever, as soon as I lose, lose confidence in it, I change. Now I might not always change the lure, but I'll change a technique. I always say the fish will tell you what they want. You just have to listen. Um, here's a little, there's no science behind this and I'm going to pass the 30 seconds, but this is important. There's no science whatsoever behind this. But if you say we all go out fishing and we're all bundled up, you know, in coats and jackets and, and trying to stay warm, slow your presentation down or even down and downsize it. If you're cold, I find they're taking it slow. Not that they're cold, but they're taking it slow and they might be cold. As soon as I can just wear a coat or say a hoodie, I can go a little bigger lure and even speed my presentations up. If it's hot out, you can go bigger and move fast. Um, so there's no science behind that whatsoever. It's just what I have noticed when I'm fishing. And it also depends on the species too. Some species, pike might be turned on, walleye might be turned off. And there's another thing to save a bad day of fishing. If you're going out to target walleye, excuse me, and they're not biting, switch gears and go for pike. You know have a good day on the water regardless of the species um just just be willing for change and and to change species lures or techniques or locations minus one point i don't know who made it that <laughs> a girl that dress. Like a russian olympic judge we got over here or something like that. that is why i'm the favorite so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wow, Brad, you walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh -huh. Okay, Wes, I gave you an assignment. Oh, I yeah, the I don't 
I don't have any clean jokes. Okay, so uh, in episode one, I asked Brad if he wanted to hear a joke and I butchered it and then he butchered his joke. So we have to rely on our guests to be funnier than we are. I've got a funny story when I was bow fishing in Fort Capel Valley this year. Sure. On the end of the episode, but we cut it a little short. I fell in, I slept into the muskeg, the slough, basically, the muskeg where we were bow fishing. And I fell right down until my favorite muscle was wet. <laughs> Your bicep? <laughs> yeah, biceps were wet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. And Chuck wouldn't help me out. He stayed there filming. <laughs> I mean, it didn't have anything to do with that muscle, Wes. Give him a break. I remember looking at him like, why won't you help me? <laughs> and he didn't make it didn't make the episode. No, you could because he, he started laughing so hard that the camera looked like the Blair Witch Project. Oh, OK. <laughs> they just left me stuck in the mud. Have you ever fallen off the boat? Oh, man, you should see the. I got a great editor. You should see some of the dumb stuff I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I fell over the edge. I fallen out of the canoe i've fallen on the edge of my own boat and was stuck there like i needed a counterweight to get me back in uh, i've slipped i've slipped in the middle of telling a great piece i i've slipped and fallen down i've broken fishing rods uh, yeah yeah i've done a lot of and chuck loves them does Chuck keep a library of all that? Oh, yeah. He, uh, every year when we go into contract talks, he sends me a little five-minute clip of what he could air. <laughs> <laughs> I have a rapid fire. Okay. In the last seven seasons, how many hooks have you taken in your body? Seven. One a year. Really? Yeah, one a year. Very proud of that. <laughs> And let me, here's the only safety talk you'll get from me. I've had hooks in my lip, as Jess witnessed. I've had them in my knee. I've kneel, Pick your hooks up off your boat. Even, you know, in the heat of battle and you want to change hooks real quick, make sure you put the other one away. But the most safety thing I can give you is wear sunglasses. Even if they're the cheapest gas station sunglasses on your way to the trip, get them because you can take a hook out of your skin out of your body wherever but you get one in the eye odds are high you're losing your sight yeah so sunglasses act as a safety glasses yeah we've 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 taught that into our girls too so yeah, even especially <clears throat> with kids because a lot of times not only the hook kids don't know where the end of their fishing rod is and yeah. you know they're want to turn and talk to mom and dad or their brother and sister it's yeah. very important even Evelyn, so we she's only three, three and a half. We take the hook off of her spoon, right? Yeah. But she still has to wear, get into that uh, habit of wearing her her glasses when she's just so, so she doesn't, or her sister's hook. She doesn't want to get her sister's That's hook. Right. Whenever we're, uh, you know, doing a fly-in or somewhere where we can't get to a hospital, actually, we've actually got to the point where we just pinch the barbs on all the lures we're using because you can catch another fish if you lose one. But if you take, you know, you get a bar or a hook in you, you can take it out of you easier with pinched barbs, especially at a fly in where you could be hours before you even get the civilization to get to a hospital. So, uh, 
Yeah, we I pinch the barbs on everything and wear sunglasses. PSA, public service announcement. That's, West David. West yeah. David approved. West David approved. <laughs> Wesley, thank you for being on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed this. I, uh, yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed this. This is one of my funnest podcasts I've ever been part of. Well, you have a podcast, so that's high praise. <laughs> this one's funner. <laughs> it's less pressure here. <laughs> We're on our way up, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Best podcast on the internet, 2023. All right. Maybe 2024. Do I get to come back in 24? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Jess is my favorite I asked Jess oh yeah and Brad he shakes nah, maybe what's <laughs> <laughs> David thank you for coming thank you for having me enjoy uh, every all your listeners I hope they enjoy their their uh, season on the water and if you see us around by all means come over and say hi awesome thanks Wes you betcha thank you we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please visit lenthompson.com slash podcast, ask a question, nominate a guest, or check out past or future episodes. Tune in next time.